Let's open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Are you in Deuteronomy chapter 7? Please don't name your child Deuteronomy. It would be pretty crazy to call him Dude. What's up, dude? Are you Are you in um Dude 7 Dude. Verse verse 6, verse 6. Are you standing for the word? All right. I'm I'm going to read it. And if you want, you can read along with me. Verse 6. One, two, three. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples of the earth. The Lord did not send, set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all the peoples, but because the Lord loves you, and because he... The Lord has brought you and redeemed... Nine. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God... The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. This is a phenomenal prophetic word that I would love for you to, we're going to read it one more time, but I want you to personalize it for yourself. And everywhere you see the word you, add yourself, me or I. Okay? We're going to read it from verse 6 again. For I am a holy people to the Lord my God. The Lord my God has chosen me to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon me, nor choose me because I were more in number than any other people. For I were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves me, and because he will keep the oath which he swore to my fathers, the Lord has brought me out with a mighty hand and redeemed me from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord my God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Father, we thank you that your word is everlasting. We thank you that your word is the way, your word is the truth, your word is life. We thank you, God, that you did not choose us just because we were special or we were more in number or we were gifted, talented, but you chose us because we were the least. <laughs> we were nothing. <laughs> we were dust when you chose us, God. How amazing you are that you are so mindful of such an insignificant group of people. <laughs> Father, we thank you that your love is so great, but we thank you that you are faithful. You're faithful to every promise that you gave our forefathers. 
We honor you today and we honor your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Anybody love the word of God? Come on, man. So good. A couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I was asleep. Praise Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, um, but I have these experiences very often where while I'm sleeping, God is ministering to my spirit. How many of you have had those experiences, right? And I wasn't uh, aware of the conversation happening between God and my spirit. And as I was waking up, that's when I started hearing, as I was coming to my senses, my consciousness, I started hearing God's voice having a conversation with my spirit, teaching me about a revelation about grace, about his grace. And as I was waking up, he, he, I heard him make this statement that actually it, it, it made me uh, go, what? What is that? You know, why would he say something like that to me? But knowing God, he tells me a lot of things when I'm asleep because I talk a lot when I'm awake. <laughs> so maybe there's, there's less opportunity for him to speak during the day than at nighttime when John is asleep. It's a good thing. I was telling somebody the other day, I spend 15 hours a day talking about God to people. I don't have time to waste because I'm talking about God. Whether it's to help people through the issues or whatever it is, I, I spend about 15 hours of the day, 10 to 15 hours a day, on any regular day, talking about him to people and talking to him. I love this job. I think it's the greatest job on the planet. I wish that one day you would all become pastors. And you can fill my shoes and, 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 and yeah, anyway, don't worry about what I have to say after that. <laughs> but... Um, so I'm, I'm having, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping and I'm waking up. And as I'm waking up, I'm hearing God's voice um, say these words uh, to my spirit. And he's teaching me. And he says this, a person is called faithful by God when they've been given an opportunity to be unfaithful. But yet they choose to be faithful. Yeah, God, he said it. I'm just repeating what he said, but I, I, I was in this place of absolute, I was actually undone when I woke up. I was like, I feel like going back to sleep because God was doing something awesome. And I was like, why did I wake up? You know, God would have done, he would have completed everything that he wanted to do. But I guess this is what God wanted to tell me. He calls a person faithful when that person has been given a choice to be unfaithful to him. But yet, they choose to be faithful. You know, there's a vast difference between being committed and being faithful. A lot of times, people think that commitment is faithfulness. Commitment is not faithfulness. You can be committed to a marriage but be unfaithful to your wife or your husband. What does commitment look like? Commitment looks like uh, I, I go to work, I come back, 
I feed the kids. I take care of everything. Uh, I come back. To, we, both husband and wife come back to the same house. We serve the house. We take care of everything. But yet when I'm not with my wife or not with my husband or not with my kids, I give my heart away to another woman, another man, an iPhone or a picture on your screen or a video that you're watching. A lot of us are committed to Jesus, but we're unfaithful to his body. You can be committed to a marriage. That commitment can drive you to go to work. It can drive you to go and do business. It can drive you to go and, and, and because I need to take care of the kids and I, I come back home my house because of the kids and because I'm, I made a, you made a, you made a public declaration because you got married in front of people, right? So, so you have to, what are, what are people going to say? Right? What are people going to say? Commitment does not mean faithfulness. Commitment means that you're committed to one person, to one body. A lot of us think that our commitment is to a church. No, you're not committed to a church. You're committed to him. That's why you're faithful to his body. The reason why you serve in church is not because you're committed to the church. You're committed to him. You're faithful to his body. That's why you serve in the church. The, the question is, how does Jesus feel about your faithfulness? I can see a lot of heads go down at that moment. I can tell. <laughs> see, a lot of the times we don't know. Because we don't do what we do to him. Commitment causes us to function really well. Faithfulness causes us to serve him. Do you understand? To commit to a team, to commit to a church, sign a document. That's why we don't have those membership things. If you got saved into the kingdom of God, your commitment is to him. You stood up and you said, I if you, if, I don't know what message you heard, but if you stood up and you said, I believe in Jesus, and I got baptized publicly, made a public statement of my commitment to Jesus, that's your marriage to Jesus. That's your commitment to Jesus. But your faithfulness to Jesus determines how you minister to his body. Your faithfulness to Jesus determines how... How faithful you are to his body. I can be committed to, to Kelsey and say, well, you know, both of us are, are married and, and we, we come back to the same house, sleep on the same bed, eat on the same table, do everything together, but I can, and this is not, I don't do it, but I can walk away, I can, I can go, for example, I can go to the bathroom. Please listen to me very carefully. I can go to the bathroom and I can get an SMS from someone and something on the phone would trigger me to look at another woman. And if I give it attention, I'm being unfaithful. 
God is faithful. God is faithful to you. Your unfaithfulness does not determine whether God restricts his faithfulness to you. He knows our frailty. He knows our weakness. So he gives us his spirit who is faithful to him. And his spirit will always position us to be faithful to God. See, you you know whether you're faithful or not by your faithfulness to this house. Your faithfulness with your attendance. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Your faithfulness to being on time. Your faithfulness to your, your seed. Your faithfulness to worship. We can say, well, you know, I love the, the worship team and, I, and I, man, they do a phenomenal job. But you can come here expecting the worship team to, to lead you into a place. You're not being faithful to him. The worship team ministers to God. We just join with them. We join along with them and we minister to God with them. We join with heaven. Heaven joins us. Do you understand? So... You can be faithful to God, but God's grace is such that he gives us the opportunity to be unfaithful. My wife doesn't force me to be faithful to her. Neither do I do the same thing for my wife. Some people do it, but it's not grace. Just says a lack of trust. Some issues there. I don't force my wife to be faithful to me. I don't buy her gifts so that she can be faithful to me. I don't take her out on a date so that my wife can be faithful to me. My wife is faithful to me because, and she's not faithful just because she's committed to me. She's faithful to me because she loves me. I'm faithful to my wife, not because I'm committed and when and we got married and everybody knows that we're married, I wear a ring on my finger. That's not the reason why I'm faithful to my wife. I'm faithful to her because I love her. Do you understand? My question to you today is how much do you love Jesus? Because your faithfulness to his body determines your love for him. Your faithfulness to his house determines your love for him. Now you can say, well, I love him. I gave up so much of my life and I did this and I did that. My point to you is you had nothing to give up. You had no life. The life that you have, he gave it to you. So we can't say, well, you know, I, I sacrificed so much. I, I, Baba, it wasn't you on the cross. So please humble yourself. Sit at the feet of the cross, look at it, and acknowledge what Jesus has done for you. Then you will understand how faithful Jesus was to his father. If Jesus was faithful to his father, he endured the cross. He endured. Faithfulness causes you to pay a price. And most times the price is your life. Faithfulness causes you to live a life that... that Where you live so selflessly. That's the way I would put it. You don't live for yourself anymore. 
You live for his body. You live for your wife. You live to serve your wife. Your wife lives to serve you. If you're not married and, and you're just having relationships and friendships with people, you, you don't live for yourself. You, what kind of a friend would you be if you'd only be selfish around everybody else? Only think about yourself. Nobody would want to hang out with you. I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> Please, yeah. Because you're, you're like a black hole. You're just sucking the life out of everybody. How many of you have had friends like that? Please. Yeah. It's like, man, just giving money. I've had people who had come around me when I was in college, just like that. And I thought my my friend Radha was like that as well. And I was like, dude. Like every day I'm paying for your food. Every day I'm doing this. Every day I'm buying you Coke. Every day I'm doing this. Every day I'm buying you dosas and this and that. And, and then John had to leave. And come here. You must understand what faithfulness looks like. That boy, that man, sorry, he's not a boy. <laughs> that man gave up his career, gave up his international career to serve my mom and dad. Do you understand? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. I told him, Radha, come here, man. What are you doing there? And he said, John, this is what I choose. And I called my mom and dad, and they're like, what, what's happening? Oh, Radha's coming to pick us up to take us to the doctor. Radha's taking us to the meat thing, where the vegetable market. He's taking us to eat dinner. He, he's taking us to church. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's given up his life. To serve. He's literally taken my place to serve my mom and dad. See, that's, to me, that is what faithfulness looks like. I don't need to be there to supervise Radha. Radha. <laughs> put, put the wire together. Do this Radha. Do that Radha. Radha just knows because he saw John do it. He saw John do it, so now Radha does it. How many of you see Jesus serve his church? How many of you see Jesus serving your husband or your wife? How many of you see Jesus serving your friends, the youth, the young people, the people that sit in your college next to you? How many of you see? Because if you see Jesus serving them and you have a relationship with Jesus, then you will do what Jesus does. Because Jesus says, I came, I wanted to show you something, and now I have to go. So that you can be faithful to the Father. Come on. Faithfulness is the most important aspect of our relationship with God. So the title of my message, I've gone past the moment of my title, but I'll tell you anyways, because it's, it's the faithful one. Okay, that's the title, faithful one. <clears throat> Say this, faithfulness, faithfulness. say it, faithfulness, faithfulness. Is, a is a free choice. Faithfulness, faithfulness. Is, a free choice. is a free choice. Okay? Yeah. I don't, I can't force anybody to come to church. You're sitting in this room because you made a free choice to come here. Commitment is the foundation 
that gives you the ability to make a free choice of faithfulness. But faithfulness always leads to maturing of trust. Commitment always leads to faithfulness. Faithfulness always leads to a maturing of trust. Trust is not earned, ladies and gentlemen. Trust is gained. You can say, Pastor, trust me. Sure. I trust you. Here, fix the cables. Nah, 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 nah. That's, uh, that's for Theophie to do. I am the elder brother of the church. Yeah. There's no trust. You go to God and ask him, God, trust me. Sure. Here, take an assignment. Go to, go to somebody in the wheelchair and pray for them. Oh, no, no, no. It's for Pastor John. Okay. God, trust me. Yep, yep. Give everything away. Oh, what, what about my bills? Okay. So I can't trust you with more than. Faithfulness always matures trust. Always. In a marriage, you can't say, well, sweetheart, trust me. Jump from the building. I'll catch you. <laughs> I tried doing it once. <laughs> and yeah, my wife caught me. So anytime I fall, I trust my wife. She'll be there to pick me up. Trust. After that day, Kelsey says anything, I listen. <laughs> you know why? Because I know she's right. I trust her. She can say, walk into the storm. I'll walk. You know why? Because I trust her. I know she'll be there. If, if I fall, I know Kelsey will be there. Do you understand? Trust is not something that is earned because it puts you in a place of performance. God is not a manipulator. Please listen to me very carefully. God is not a manipulator to give you a blessing and get you to do something. God will not give you a promise and say, if you do this, I will give you this. Oh, here you go. He'll dangle a carrot, hanky, carrot in front of you. And then he'll say, come here. Come to me. Love my presence. Worship me. If you worship me, I will give you this. Never does it. You know why? Because he wants you to learn through relationship with him to be faithful to him. So our blessings from God are not really about 
performance. Our blessings from God are really not about a scorecard. Oh, today I did really well, so God will give me a blessing. God blessed, blessed you from the beginning itself. Every blessing in the heavenly places has already been given to you. Ephesians chapter 1. He's already released it to you. But it determines whether you're going to be faithful to him or not. See, a Christian, sadly, a lot of Christians that I've come across in my very short lifespan have not learned how to live in the ever-increasing abundance of God. We've Christians don't know how to manage the blessing that God gives you. And by not managing your blessing and not stewarding the blessing, you are restricting God from increasing the blessing in your life. See, the blessing comes to bless you, but also to test you. The blessing comes to, to, to not only to, to cause you to, to live in this amazing freedom that God has given you, but also to, to test your heart. And most times, Christians, when they do get a breakthrough, they become so goo-goo-gaga about the breakthrough than the giver of the breakthrough. Faithfulness is, yes, I am, I'm so grateful for, your, for the blessing, but the blessing is not more important than you. You are the most important thing to me right now. Thank you so much for, for paying off my debt. Thank you so much for getting me out of prison. Thank you so much for getting me out of the hospital. Thank you so much for getting me out of that job and giving me a business and bringing the investment. Thank you so much. But I understand that is about function, not about relationship. The blessing of God comes so that we can function well. But sometimes the blessing can become the source. Because we focus our energy, we focus our desires, our will on the blessing rather than the blesser. And faithfulness really is seen in our ability, please listen to me, our ability to remain, to not cheat on God with the blessing that he gave us. Come on now. Please listen to me. The hand that gives you the blessing, don't spit in it. The one that gave you the job, you'll be unfaithful if you make your job your God. How do you do that? Well, by honoring your job more than you honor him. By honoring your, uh, your by, now please, there's, I understand stewardship of your job, and that's worship to God. But sometimes career and career path can become a God to people more than the will of God for your life. A business to grow your business sometimes can become your God rather than God being your God.
And faithfulness really is in the moments when, when he says, can I have that blessing that I gave you? Faithfulness is revealed in saying, yep, take it, without fighting with him. <laughs> Do you understand? Abraham, oh God, I need a son, I want a son, I want a son, I want a son, I want a son. Okay, yeah, take, take, take one. Abraham, can you give me your son? Uh, okay. Where do you want me to go? Up the mountain. Sacrifice him. Oh, dear. No questions asked. Faithfulness. Why do you think Abraham's called the father of faith? It's because he realized God is more important to me than anything else. To Abraham... Abraham's mindset is this. And please listen to me very carefully. Abraham's mindset was this. If, even if I have to kill my son, I'm fully aware that he will raise him up. I'm fully aware of him, his ability in my life. If Abraham was to make his son an idol in his life, he wouldn't even lift up the knife. He wouldn't even take him up there. God, you gave me. You told me a promise. We tried to convince God that he is not as powerful as he says he is. He is not all-knowing as he says he is. We tried to convince him. God, you know, I know better for my life. You don't know. Your church doesn't know. Your pastor definitely doesn't know anything. Only I know. I know. If you know, please, go read Romans chapter 8. Your conscience, right, tells you, it excuses you, or condemns you. And when you are a God unto yourself, you've stopped being faithful to the one who created you. Are you with me? Are you with me? When you gave up your life to Jesus, how many of you believe that you surrendered your life to Jesus? Put your hand up. That's almost everybody. Right? Is it your life? Whose life is it? So when did you become the boss? When did you start making decisions about your life? When did you start thinking that it was okay for me to decide what happens in my life. The day we start deciding that we're the boss of our lives is the day that you start becoming unfaithful to God. Please listen to me very carefully. The day that you start making decisions for your life and not surrendering to the will of God for your life, we've started telling God, thank you so much, it's time for me to get off the bus now. I had a good ride up until now, but I can do it on my own. And trust me, the minute you start going down that road, 
you are deciding to end every blessing that God has given you. Because it is only in the submission of his perfect will that every blessing will multiply. Trust in God grows. God will trust you when you live a life of surrender to him. When you live a life of submission to him, God, this is my life. I give it to you. From this day on, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not even your faith. Come on now. You can't wake up and say, today I have a faith for a million dollars. What about that faith was not even yours in the first place? That faith is Jesus' faith for a million dollars. Come on now. I was prophesying over somebody, anybody. Faithfulness is hard, man. So easy to fall in sin. Sin is so easy. Like, oh my gosh. It's so appealing. It's so appealing. Just, just sleep around. Just, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Let's just do whatever, man. Let's party. Smoke up, drink up, do whatever. Yeah. Sure. Let's see how long it goes. Until your body starts killing you from the inside out. You must understand, when you live a life of surrender to God, and God completely trusts you, He will take you to the club. <laughs> you don't understand. If you're afraid of something on the outside, what is on the outside will get in. But if you're not afraid of something on the outside, what is on the inside will get out. Must understand that. Trust matures when faithfulness to God or to a person is from a place of love. You can't be faithful just because you're committed. You have to be faithful because you love. God so loved the world. God wasn't committed to the world. God so loved the world that he gave. What do you give? And how do you give? It is, should be from a place of love. Trust does not grow. Please listen to me very carefully. Trust does not grow out of commitment or because of commitment. Trust grows because of faithfulness. Faithfulness because of love. And a lot of times people really come to church because... They think the pastor might call them if they don't come to church. Or the life coach or the life group leader or the heads or one of them will call and say, well, what, what are you doing, man? What, where, where, why, how come you're not coming? Two weeks? Huh? I noticed. So because of that, they come to church. Not because they love him. I think I'll repeat myself because I think that just went over your head. People come to church because they're committed for sure. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a good thing. But commitment should lead to faithfulness. And you should be here because you love to be here. Yeah. Not because somebody's forcing you, dragging you through the mud and bringing you to church. Nobody's doing that. I hope. Yeah. Coaches? <laughs> so I want to take you to um, the life of Moses very quickly. And I want you to open your Bibles or go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, 
chapter 34. I want to start where Moses' life ends. So this is Moses is now, has no clue he's going to die. Okay? He's come up to the mountain to meet with God. It's just like another day you came to church. Not going to die. Just relax, relax. Don't look at me with such big eyes like that. But Moses went, verse 1, and then Moses went up the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo. Why are these names, man? To the top of... Which is across from Jericho. Let's bypass that. This is very important. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. Uh, Let's go to verse (laughs) 4. Verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. Serious, serious, serious. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you, Moses, to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Hmm. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. There in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Can you imagine? He lived and died according to the word of the Lord. That's, the will. That's what it means to live according to the will of God. Now, this is fascinating. Verse 6. And he, that's God, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Now listen to this. Moses was 120 years old when he died. And his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Which means he did not die of natural causes. He died when the Lord said, okay, Baba, come off. Time's up. Do you understand? I love that stuff. I don't like the sickness and disease and all that. I don't like being defeated. I don't like losing. I like winning. This to me is winning. Okay, John, time up. Okay, Lord, coming home. Finished. That's it. No stress. Right? Now, I want you to keep that in mind and go to verse 10. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. That's pretty scary. One scary dude. There's one thing when people say, wow, man, 
Moses, what a guy. Such a mighty man of God. He knew God face to face. Do you understand? Yeah. We have this, we should build a Moses ministry. <laughs> Start a Facebook page, get an Instagram page, YouTube videos. Brother, I'm telling you, your name will go through all the world. Moses International Ministries. That's what we would do. But there's something different about God. It says that, but since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Not people, the Lord knew. There's something about God testifying about a person saying, I know this man face to face. I know this woman face to face. I know, I don't know their problems, I know them. I don't know their difficulties, but I know them. I know him, I know her. The question is, how much do we go to God with? What do we take to God? God, please, I, please, problem in my life, God. Ooh, so much of issues. Okay, I'll help you. Who does God get to know? You get to know a savior for sure, but you don't get to know him face to face. Because God is face to face with your problem and not with you. never been another man like Moses. Why is that? Because everybody is okay with having one Moses that sees God face to face. And everybody does not have a desire to see God for themselves. I'm okay, Pastor John, you get the revelation, you dig. I don't need, uh, I can come on Friday and I can get the word and, you know, uh, we, are, we, are, we don't need to worship, we have the worship team, they'll worship. I'll just come and I'll just attend and I'll just receive and, you know, that's what I, I do. That's, that's about, no, please. We're, we're missing an opportunity every day to know God face to face. What was it about Moses that, how did God get to know Moses? <laughs> I mean, he created the guy. He gave him a purpose. He gave him a will. He, called, he was the one who called him into full-time ministry. How did God get to know Moses? That means there must be something about us that God doesn't know. He's all-knowing for sure. But there's something about you that you're not telling him. No. Yeah. See, there's something about faithfulness to God that God gets to know a side of you that without faithfulness he wouldn't. Come on now. What was about this guy? I mean, think about it. He was murderer, stutterer, all of it. Had no money, ran away from his family, adopted, right? All of that stuff. Ran away and now he's looking after sheep. Pretending like life is okay. While all his people and bondage. But you must understand, how did, how did God get to know Moses? It's when Moses said yes to him. 
when Moses said, I choose your will. When Moses was in the wilderness, <laughs> this is beautiful. If you read Exodus, actually, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. This is amazing because it will save your life. Actually, Exodus chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 23. Now, it happened in the process of time, in the process of time, that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Must understand, we're talking about faithfulness now. Faithful one. Okay? Now Moses was tending the flock and, and all of that stuff. And go, to, um, go to verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight... Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him, called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. You, you must understand. It's something phenomenal happening here. Okay? Just in this passage, you will understand God's faithfulness. Moses is in the wilderness and he's looking after sheep. He's gone. His past is gone now. He's not dealing with his past. He's moved on. Life is good. Got a, got a girl. Got some sheep. On the mountaintop. Pretty chill. Life is good. But then suddenly he walks, he's walking around and he's like, dude. That bush is on fire. But the bush is not being consumed by fire. Let me go check it out. Check it out, dude. And so he goes. And the minute he turns from wherever he was, he could have been one kilometer away. The minute he turned to see what God was doing, God spoke from the bush. He didn't speak to him here. He spoke from the bush. And he says, Moses, don't come any more closer. The place where you're standing is holy ground. Take your sandals off your feet. And then God tells him this. Moses, I've come to you because I heard the cry of the people. I've come down on the earth because I heard the people's cry. It wasn't one person's cry. You must understand what mutual faith looks like. What mutual, what, what corporate consciousness looks like. If one person begins to cry, it'll take that person 10 years, for example, it'll take that person 10 years to, to cry as much as 100 or 500 people in a room cry in one instant. It's corporate consciousness. So people have been groaning 
for years under slavery. And this has come, their cries, their cries together has come up to God. But God doesn't go to them because of their cries. He remembers, I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will be faithful to these people. No, you have to get it. You have to get it. You have to understand how faithful God is. He gave a promise four generations or five generations before Moses. And it was passed down. I will take you to a land of milk and honey. I will give you a land. He told Abraham, I will give you and your descendants a land. And God had brought, these people had taken, you must understand, there's 70 people of Joseph's family. 70 people came to Egypt and they became 3 million people. You must understand how fruitful and blessed these people were. And God did not know them. Yes, there we go. Why? It's because they were blessed. They didn't cry out to God. They didn't pray. They didn't worship. They didn't do any of that stuff. They were, they, the blessing had become the source of life. Their fruitfulness had become their source of life. They didn't call out to God. It is only when they were slaves, they were made slaves, and they were groaning and crying under the, under the oppression, that's when they started hearing, crying out to God. This is Israel throughout the Bible. And this is Christians even till today. It's only when we go through strife and struggle and persecution and all that do we cry out to God. We're not faithful to Him during the good seasons. When the money in the bank is, is pretty good and the joy level is pretty high, buddy. You understand? The joy level is high. When the money goes down in the bank account, then the mm, joy level is like, like, like a sour lemon. Come to church depressed. Leave the church depressed. You understand? You know, what's happening? Oh, it's all, praise the Lord. It's all good. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Oh, okay, if it's good, praise the Lord. No, no, please pray for me. No, why, why? if it's good, why should I pray for you, man? No, 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 please, you know, Pastor, you know, I, I need some time. For what? No, I need to sit with you and talk to you about, uh, no, Baba, talk to the one who can solve your problem. Yeah. 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 What are you doing talking to me about it? Yes, for sure, I can hear from God. Yes, for sure, I can pray and things can happen. And I believe that, that's my, that I'm faithful to him and he's faithful to me. But there's something you're missing. And it's this opportunity to become face-to-face with God. You can come to Pastor John, you can come to your coaches, you can come to all the leaders in the church, and you can say, please pray for me, and they will pray for you. But guess who is becoming like God? They are. Because they are faithful to their call. What are you faithful to? And so Israel now is crying out to God, and God hears their cry, and he goes down and sees their suffering. You must understand, he's such a good God. He goes down to them and he doesn't rescue them. (laughs) Have you ever been praying for a miracle and it just does not come? I'm praying for that breakthrough for 20 years and it just has not come. 
God, these people, three million people, God is not even moved by the size of the problem. He's not even moved by the size of, oh, how vast Israel is. Look at how fruitful they were. Now look at them suffering. He's not even moved by that stuff. God is, can I be honest with you? God is not moved by your problems. Why are you trying to move God because of your problems? Half, half. No, it's okay. No problem. <laughs> Watch out. God, can't you see I'm suffering here? Okay, John, I'm coming to save you. Okay. But God doesn't go to Israel to save them. He goes, where's that guy? Where's that guy? You know that one, that, that murderer? <laughs> Doesn't go to the most qualified high priest or anything like that. Or the most religious one or the most like devoted, righteous one. He goes to the, where's that stutterer? <laughs> Let me, where's he? Hey, Lord, he's somewhere far away in the, in the wilderness. Okay, okay, I'll go see him. Angel, like the bush. <laughs> you must understand, it wasn't the Lord. It was the angel of the Lord that was the fire in the bush. And when Moses saw the angel, the Lord spoke. God wasn't the fire in the bush. God was the voice. Anyway, he tells Moses, Moses, I've heard the cry of the people. So now you go and save them. <laughs> Lord, my life is really good right now. <laughs> Lord, you know, I just got a wife. <laughs> Some, my father-in-law began to trust me with sheep. Things, things are going good now, Lord. Why do you want me to go back to that place? Moses, I remember the promise I made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I want you to go. Yeah. Really? Yes. But Lord, who should I say sent me? He had no relationship with his God. Zero. He didn't even know him. Say, I am sent you. That's like not even proper English. <laughs> I have come because I am sent me. <laughs> I am who I am sent me. And Moses, when you go there, they will believe you. Say this. I am who I am sent to you. Okay. See, sometimes, you know, God chooses the most simple, the most, the people who don't have any logic in the brain. You know, people who have no, like, oh, they just believe you. They say, you say it? Yeah, okay. I, I listen. I receive. You know, th those are the ones that God chooses. Not the ones who are like, mm, but what about my salary? Hmm. What about my children? What about insurance, God? <laughs> what about a car? What about these sheep? Who's going to look after them? And we make these accents before God that, you know. Right. So we have this certain list that we, we criteria that God needs to fit before he 
chooses us. And we get offended with the ones who say yes. The ones who, like Pastor John, I don't ask too many questions. You say go right, I go right. You say go left, I go left. I'm not even looking for the result. You must understand, God never promised Moses the promised land. You know what he promised? You know why Moses trusted God? It's because God said, I will certainly be with you. That's why Moses said yes. Sometimes we want God to give, give me a prophetic word. Lord, today when I come to church, give me a prophetic word about my business. And then, Lord, when, you know, when the business is good, you know, I'll serve the kingdom. It's manipulation. What if you come to church for him? What if we spend every single day, every single minute of the day for him, to him, and for his glory? What would that look like? I go to the office because the office belongs to him. My job is, is something that he gave me and I'm serving him in that position. What if you were a salesperson and you're, and, you're, and you're doing a salesman's job and every single inquiry that comes to you, you're sending that inquiry to God? Would you cheat him? Would you lie to him and give him a product that, that is really stinky and you don't even believe in it? Or would you tell your customer the truth? See, the, the problem is that we're, we're, we think that we're faithful to God. We think we're going to job, we're, to work, but we're being unfaithful to God. So many areas of our lives, we can go through it from morning till night. As soon as you wake up in the morning, do you look at your phone and Instagram and Facebook and all your messages that come? Or do you say, God, good morning. I love you. Thank you so much for this day. What is your plan for my life? Rather than seeing the plan of everybody else on WhatsApp has for your life. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I really don't want to look at my phone for like a couple of hours because I know there's like 200 messages that I need to reply to and I really don't want to reply to them. I just want to be with God. I just want to be with God because it is in that place when I choose Him over my phone, when I choose Him over everything that's happening in the fake world of social media. When I choose him, he says, okay, I've got an assignment for you. And the assignment is not like something small. You must understand, every time God gives you an assignment, it is beyond your understanding. If you can understand your assignment, God, must, God is not giving it to you. I'll repeat myself again. If, if God has given you an assignment and you can fully comprehend it and see and you can chart your plan and do everything, God has not given it to you. You've come up with it. But when God gives you an assignment, he'll take a stutterer, he'll take a murderer, and you'll make him a savior. You understand? And so here we have Moses. Brother Moses, saying yes to God, but at the end of his life, he doesn't get to see the promised land. He gets to see the promised land, but doesn't get to enter it. 
What a waste of a life, isn't it? 40 years. The same place. Round and round the same place. 40 years. This is a revelation. You'll get it. What was Moses faithful to? Please, if you can indulge me in your answer. Who was Moses faithful to? Who was Moses faithful to? To God. Did God promise Moses the promised land? If Moses had to spend another 40 years in the wilderness, he was fine. Why were the people of Israel in the wilderness? It was a three-day journey. They were in the wilderness because of stubbornness. A journey which should have taken three days took 40 years. So where this church goes doesn't depend on Pastor John. So you can change as fast as you want and we will progress. I'm so glad you're clapping for yourself. <laughs> because a lot of the times, the pressure is on, Ooh, Pastor John, you lead us. You take us. Ooh, you go, you go. But God is looking at you. And he's saying, How, why are these people not changing? The miracle signs and wonders are all happening. Moses was so terrifying with his, all his miracle signs and wonders. But people did not want God. They said, Moses, you talk to him. Pastor John, you speak no. When you pray, Pastor John, mountains like that. And we say all those songs. We want a prophetic word. But see, the, the problem here is that God is frustrated or getting angry with stubborn people. People who choose their will over his. You will remain, please listen to me. You will remain in your wilderness experience as long as you remain stubborn. But the day you choose to say, not my will, but your will be done. And say, God, from this day on, I choose to live only for your will. That is the day, day one, out of the wilderness. Day one, out of the wilderness. But you must understand. God heard the cry of the people, but responded to a promise he made to their fathers. You'll understand faithfulness now. Faithfulness is not something that we do only because of one generation. God is, remembers the promises that he made to your greatest grandfather that you ever had. Your great-grandmother, greatest, whatever you want to call them. Go all the way to Abraham if you want. Please listen to me very carefully. God is so faithful that he remembers the promises. When you cry out and say, God, I need a breakthrough in my life. He doesn't respond to you because of your crying out. He responds to you because he gave John a promise. Mm. 
You must understand how faithfulness works. Do you think God, the prophetic words and the blessings and the promises you've received over your life is for you only? Every promise that God gave to Kelsey and me is for you. It's not just for me. It's for you. So, Pastor John, what is your take then in all of this? Well, my take is every promise that God gave to my real mom and dad and my spiritual mom and dad belongs to me. Do you understand? So, you, if you can only understand how God is so faithful, he doesn't respond to your problems. He doesn't respond to your cries in the context of your cries. You can be asking for apples and he'll give you oranges. Because he promised oranges to your father. And we're like, hey, what is this? God, I'm asking you for money and you give me a car. Amen. God, I need money to pay my bills and you bless me with a wife. God, we, we need money to eat food and you give us kids. You understand, God is not contextual. He's not like looking at, oh, in the context of your prayer, according to the theology and the doctrine that you have prayed in, now I shall receive, release the blessing according to the doctrine that you have prayed. It's just foolishness. Do you understand? We've, we've created God into something else. We've made God someone that we can put in our mindset. He's beyond it. He's beyond your understanding. He's beyond your limitation. He's beyond even what you can comprehend. But when you talk about the faithfulness of God, He's not even being faithful to you because of you. You can think you come here and you play all these instruments and you set up the stage and the, you set up your oh, Theophila, wow, she puts up the LEDs and, and all these cables and wow, all these cables and all of that stuff over there. <laughs> it's like spaghetti, don't go there. <laughs> but... You're setting up all these things and now Theophila needs to get blessed by me. I need to bless Theophila. No. No. He looks at Theophila and sees how Theophila blesses his son's body. And then he looks at the son and he says, every promise. Oh, every promise that I gave to my son. You minister to my son, you inherit the blessings that are on my son's life. That is what we must understand. It's not about John. It's not about John's forefathers. And it's not about all of that stuff. Although it works and it is possible. But you must understand that Jesus is the ultimate son. He is the son of the father. And the father has released his blessings over the son. And every time you cry, he doesn't respond to your cries. He responds to Jesus. He responds to the promises of Jesus. Well, well, you know, Amos is in business. And you can say, well, Jesus wasn't in business. But, you know, read the scripture. Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. So he was in business. You can't even say that. That Jesus wasn't in business. He was in business because he said, I'm about my father's business. So which means my business can be blessed. Why? Because God the Father blessed Jesus' business. You can't tell me there, isn't, there is something in your life that Jesus 
cannot fulfill, that Jesus did not get a promise for. But see, it has to do with faithfulness. God does not respond to commitment. He responds to faithfulness. That's why to Abraham, he says this. It was Abraham's faithfulness that was accounted to him as righteousness. Oh, come on now. Ooh. Yep. It was not Abraham's obedience. It was his faithfulness to God. That God said, take all of that faithfulness, account it to his righteousness. Abraham is righteous. He told a lie. Oh, no, no, no. He's righteous. <laughs> well, he went and, I don't know, brother. He just slept around and then, oh, new son. Hello. Um, no, no. It's righteous. Was accounted unto him as righteousness. You must understand that in the grace of God is like this: that God calls you faithful one when He can see you face to face, not when He sees your pastor and you hiding behind. <laughs> Do you understand? He calls you faithful when he gives you the opportunity to be unfaithful to his body, to his son, but yet you choose to be faithful. Now, because of this word, a lot of us might feel condemned. If you're feeling condemned, you must understand that is not God. He won't condemn you to make you like him more. I mean, that is just ridiculous. If you're feeling guilty for being unfaithful to God, there's a thing called repentance. Just repent. Just repent. Just change the way you think. From today, I'm not going to live for myself. I live for you. Let your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done. Easy. And then every single person that, that is in this church, love them like you're loving Jesus. Because this is the body. Yeah. Be faithful. Please listen to me. Be faithful to the relationships in this house. Yeah. They're just friends. Yeah, sure. We're all friends. We're also family. Amen. And faithfulness looks like something. Love is not just communicated. Love is demonstrated. Oh, yes. I can say I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. From morning till night. But if you don't come and see how much and how I love you, you won't know how much I love you. <laughs> In Daniel chapter 3, don't go there. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 3, we see the three brothers. It's hilarious. Three, three. Three friends, sorry. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, no. We see these, we, we see these three guys. <clears throat> now, you, these three guys were leaders, okay, in the king's kingdom. They were leaders, big people. They're not small people. They had a reputation. And the king said, when 
the instruments start playing. When the horn goes off and all the cymbals and everybody makes a big hoo-ha and all that big noise happens, I want everybody in this kingdom to bow down and worship the golden idol. We know the story, right? We're not going to go into the sacrifice part of it. I just want to talk about one thing before the sacrifice. So the people come to the king and say, well, there's these three guys who are in your kingdom. They're your leaders. Um, Sinners. They're disobeying you in public. They're the only ones in the entire kingdom that are saying no to your decree. The king said, well, who's this fellow? Come here, man. Bring these three guys. Come before him and they're having an interview with the king. And the king wants to know, why are you not bowing down? You should be bowing down. I am the king. Should be bowing down. And this is the reply. Faithfulness. This is what faithfulness looks like. He asked him, aren't you scared that you're going to be thrown into the fire? Don't you know the consequence of not doing this? And the three guys turn around to the king and say this. King. Even if God does not save us, we won't worship you. You must understand what faithfulness looks like. We want to be faithful only when we have miracles, signs and wonders. But what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? You've received prophetic word after prophetic word that you'll get children and you'll have money and you'll have wealth and you have all of this stuff and it's been 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. God! How long? How long? How long do I need to go around this wilderness? Well, you decide to be stop, stop being stubborn. Things will change. How long, Lord? How long? As long as it takes. Even if I never get to see the miracle, I will never give up. You must understand. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, three generations had the opportunity to not trust God. Three generations. It's not like, whoa, 10 years. Not like 15 years. Not like 20 years. Not just one generation. We're talking about three generations. These guys lived long, man. They lived long. They did great things for God. Abraham, you see the stars? Man, that's what your, all your sons will look like. That's your inheritance, the stars in the sky, the grains of sand on the... Abraham's like, dude. <laughs> no, it was in Genesis, not in dude. But well, he's like, God, how can, you, how can you make these claims? I don't even have a son. Okay. But the time is right. You will have a son. And from that son will come generations. But when the son came, the father told him, Son, God gave me a prophetic word. We will have our own land. 
flowing with milk and honey have you ever seen a land flowing with milk lots of cows do you understand flowing with milk and honey and so abram's telling his son isaac abram dies now isaac is like dude i'm going to get some land and then isaac telling jacob jacob god gave us a land he told me he gave me a prophetic word then live to see it next generation next generation the situation gets even worse they become slaves instead of having a free land oh my god god is it possible that you are the one giving these words is it possible that you spoke to us is it possible is it is it you is it you is it you why would you have these people in the book of faith hebrews chapter 11 it's because they trusted god so much that whether they saw the promise or they didn't see the promise it didn't matter what mattered is god gave a word and it will come to pass whether it is in my generation or no oh pastor you know god gave me a prophetic word that i'll be a businessman sure but somehow things are not working out whether you are or you're not you have no right to give up on god because that's what faithfulness looks like that's what faithfulness looks like faithfulness looks like whether i agree whether it, it fits my plan or not i'll never leave your side i will never leave you nor forsake you god has given me a word if my kids carry that word great if my grandkids carry that word great If I never get to see even one of the promises that God gave me fulfilled in my life, it's absolutely okay. You know why? Because I know him. Yeah. And that that is faithfulness. Because God is not looking at you and saying, "Oh, look at his flaws. I don't think I can use him." Choose somebody else. choose somebody worse <laughs> or choose somebody better no where's his degree bible degree where's his qualification who gave who are all them god doesn't even look at any of that stuff he knows every promise please listen to me he knows every promise that he made to every generation in your life and he is faithful to his word the bible says that god honors his word above his name you understand what that means the name of jesus is so powerful that demons flee mountains melt like wax people get healed just at the mention of the name jesus but god honors his word his promise above his name that means his promises never fail god will see every promise
fulfilled in your life. You must understand. We must come into this understanding that God lives outside of time and he expects you to think outside of time. If he is outside of time and made a promise to you, he's not going, okay, one generation only. He's expecting you to be like him, to have an understanding that if not in my lifetime, then the next generation will carry it. The generation after that will see the the promised land. God has given promises to everybody in this room. Everyone carries a promise. But the promises of God are not greater than God himself. Let's stand. Let's stand.